Okay, so in this passage, who are the sons of Zebedee? Well, you may remember they are James and John. And along with Peter, they made up a special privileged inner circle for Jesus. Now, we always say you cannot love what you do not know. Thomas Aquinas says the intellect precedes the will. So I always hope to give you a little catechesis to know our faith better and then take that to a deeper love. Knowing what we know better, we can love that better. So looking at this message here, um, I, I think it goes back to the first question of who was the first apostle? So if you ask, or you're teaching catechism or asked by your children, who was the first apostle? Many would say Andrew, because in the Gospel of John and Matthew, it was. But we may not realize in the Gospel of Luke, the first apostle or apostles was James and John. They were the first. He called them while fishing. Now, it's funny because Brother Mark and I, in our past lives, we're fishers of fish. <laughs> we love, both of us love to fish. Now the Lord has scooped the net out, brought us back in to be fishers of men. So what's going on here? Here we see the mother of James and John, like any other mother, wanting the best for her children, right? Mothers always want to get involved. And this is not a bad thing. This is good. It's part of their nature. I remember when um, I coached freshman wrestling for my uh, varsity uh, high school wrestling coach as a break for him. Um, we had a pretty good freshman wrestling team and I was home from college and, and I was coaching this freshman team. And, and so I remember where the mother's cornering me after practice that her son was the best wrestler and I was putting the wrong wrestler in. And I said, well, we had wrestle-offs. They actually wrestled each other. And I'm sorry, but he, he beat your son. She goes, well, my son's better. <laughs> so, so you need to put my son in. And so that's just the job of a mom, right? God bless them and, uh, and their, their love of their child. Now, who's the woman, though? Who is this woman? All right. Mark says at the crucifixion, the Gospel of Mark, there were three women who looked on from afar. Now, not talking Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was right there at the foot. But, but uh, St. Mark says three women looked on from afar. Now, who were they? Well, they were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Lesser and Joseph, and Salome. Now, this is interesting because it's this third woman we're talking about. Hmm. As mentioned, Mark calls her Salome. Now, Matthew, so now we're going between Gospels, calls her the mother of the sons of Zebedee. That is what we just read. So in the Gospel, we just read Matthew who said, this is the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Now, John calls her the sister of Mary, the same woman, John calls her the sister of Mary, Jesus' mother's sister, the real Mary, not the other Marys. So we have John saying that this is Jesus' mother's sister. So the mother of James and John was Salome. Now, was this the sister of Mary, 
the mother of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. I was always taught in seminary and learned that Mary had no siblings because Anna and, um, and Joachim could not conceive and Mary was a gift. But I was surprised when I was studying the Ignatius Study Bible in preparation for this homily, and it supports this, that this was Mary's sister. So it's not a doctrine of the faith or a dogma of the faith that Mary had a sister or not. I trust the Ignatius Study Bible. They're a very reputable source. So I was very interested in this. So I dug a little bit deeper. And if this were the case, it means that James and John were the full cousins of Jesus. Now, that's interesting because maybe they felt that that closer relationship entitled them to a special place in the kingdom of Jesus. Now, it's interesting because isn't that how the Jews felt? We're a special people and block these Gentiles and Christ comes and blows that away. Everybody's welcome. That's why Brother Jason and I have been talking about Eucharistic miracles and we invite you to, uh, on Saturday, I'll be doing a talk on Eucharistic miracles, but Brother Jason and I are gonna do more on this. Hopefully when the parishes open up, we can go to the parishes and do talks on this. But do you know that the blood type of every Eucharistic miracle is AB positive, which is the universal, not donor. Everybody says it's universal donor. It's the universal receiver. That means Christ receives everyone. And so it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, cousin or non-relative, Christ wants you to come to him. I hear people all the time say to me, Father, I don't go to church because I, I would be such a hypocrite. Jesus, he doesn't, it would be so hypocritical. I'm such a sinner. That's exactly why Jesus wants you there. As Brother Jason and I were writing our book, we, we talked about that passage in the diary. That, that the, we're, and for the Bible too, where sin abounds, grace abounds even the more. And the greater the sinner, and it's, isn't it on our door of the confessional? The greater the sinner the greater the right to my mercy. This is amazing. So anyway, what's going on here? We see Matthew's version, if you will, that has this mother acting, or asking, you could say, and acting to maybe protect their sons, her son's reputation. And so, however, Mark shows the human side in the Gospel of Mark, because there the apostles ask themselves, hear the mother. So maybe Matthew's trying to protect the apostles, James and John, by saying, hey, look, it wasn't they who wanted it. It was their mom. Everybody can deal with a mom, right? So James and John, back in Mark, show this ambition that they want to be chosen people, although our Lord warned them in this, the end of this passage about humility. The first will be last, and the last will be first. So remember, humility here, and as it says here, to come to serve, not to be served. He says here, whoever wishes to be great will be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first will be your slave. What's he talking about here? Humility, the queen virtue that Mary gives us. Now, what's very interesting about that is humility is not what maybe you think it is. Humility is simply the truth. Humility is not a false humility. Now, what do I mean? That would be like Michael Jordan or Barry Sanders 
Y'all know I'm from Detroit. <laughs> That'd be like Barry Sanders saying, you know, I really wasn't a good running back. I really wasn't that good. That's not humility because it's not the truth. The truth was he's the greatest ever. So what is humility? Humility is simply the truth. And humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And that's exactly what Barry Sanders did. He always deflected the credit to his line or his quarterback or, or whatever. He, he never drew attention to himself. He'd score a touchdown, he'd hand the ball over. He, it, again, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So to be this as, as misguided as this request is after Jesus' talk on humility, James and John still followed Christ. And this is important, and God can work with that. All right, do you know James was the only apostle whose martyrdom is documented in the, in the New Testament. Yeah, he died in 44 AD. He was executed by Herod himself. And the reason? His fiery temper. Uh-oh. <laughs> so anybody who gets passionate, you got to make sure it doesn't turn into temper because this is what happened to James. James had a fiery temper. He was passionate. And he went after. He wanted the truth. So anyway, legend has it that the angels took his remains to, on a rudderless ship, unattended, the boat was empty, back to Spain because he lived in Spain for years, tradition tells us, at St. James de Compostela. This is where supposedly it happened. Now, what about John? John was boiled in a huge... Um, basin of boiling oil in Rome, but he survived. He lived to almost a hundred. Now, here's the thing. For him, James and John, the cup was, oh, let's talk about John actually for a second. John lived, right? John did not get martyred, but did he survive martyrdom? For John, the cup was basically being a disciple day to day, struggling every day to live a Christian life. You all think, gee, maybe I do. I've thought this before. I'll probably have to be physically martyred in order to go to heaven, straight to heaven, because there's just no other way. Well, do you know your daily task, your daily life is a martyrdom? Father, I hear this all the time. I get up every day, race around to get the kids ready for school, help my, my husband get ready. I, then I have to race off to work, fight traffic, get yelled at by the boss, have to stay late, missing deadlines, get home, have to go get groceries, make dinner, help the kids with their homework, get them to bed, then argue with my husband over bills. There's got to be more to life than this. Actually, that's your way to sanctity. The daily task that John lived in his life is that example. It is quite wrong to think that the cup that Jesus is talking about is just physical martyrdom. Although for James it was, but it wasn't for John. How could Jesus say you too will have to drink this cup if he only meant physical martyrdom when John wasn't physically martyred? 
And so this is what's going on. The cup may be that long routine of daily Christian life with all your sacrifices and struggles. You know, it's funny because the saints tell us that we are not, by God, expected to accomplish great things, but to be faithful in the small things. Um, yesterday, I shot a video. We, we do this Ask a Marian series. And one of the questions was, Father, could you please explain to us the day in the life of a priest? So we just did this video, and I walked through my day. It'll be, video will be out tomorrow on our YouTube channel. Hope you watch it. And it's called, What Does a Priest Do All Day? <laughs> and so I walk through the whole day of what I normally do in the day of a priest. And then at the end, you'll hear me say, and tomorrow I'll do it all over again. It's in those little daily tasks that we find sanctity. So finally then, why did Jesus say that the decision to put James and John on his left or his right are not for him to decide? Hmm. Well, when Jesus lived a human life, he did not claim the authority and the rights as God. He always obeyed the Father. A person is not great just because of the power he was given. You can see that from the sons of emperors and things like that. In the kingdom of heaven, the great person is those who are a servant. Remember the Pope? What's the Pope's official title? It's not the Pope. It's the servant of the servants of God. And so this is important. And he gave the example that those who are rulers over the Gentiles, lord it over them. What does that mean? All right. Those <clears throat> who in their authority struggle with controlling or doing everything. And I know that's hard not to do. I do it myself. It, 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 sometimes you look at, well, I want to get this done. I want to get this done right. That's, I don't think, what our Lord's talking about. It's not respecting the dignity of that person, but seeing them as a slave, not the dignity of the person. And I think this is important because it says, yet it shall not be among you. So our Lord is telling them to the apostles, don't rule this way. This is not how the church is to operate. The church is to not lord it over you. And people will think, well, Lord, or uh, Father Chris, that's exactly what the church does. No, it's the opposite. The church gives you what our Lord said and then invites you to follow him. That's the thing. Anyway, every man, to finish here, has to learn that true greatness lies in service. The world will respect and admire, all right, here's the thing, and sometimes even fear somebody in power. But it will love the man of love who wills the ultimate good for the other. It reminds me of World War II, Patton versus Bradley. Military people always talk about a military leader. Was he a Patton or was he a Bradley? Patton was that lorded over. Bradley was that I love my soldiers. 
Some responded to Patton, some responded to Bradley, but they knew they were two totally different approaches. Our Lord's telling us the church is to be a Bradley. And I thought that was very interesting. So this is, this is what Jesus did when he said, he will give his life as a ransom for many, a servant. No greater love hath a man than to lie down his life for another. That's like my father said, he asked his nun teacher years ago, I heard, sister, that all soldiers who die in battle will go to heaven. And my dad asked me that question. He says, is that true? Will all soldiers who die in battle go to heaven? I said, well, dad, there is no teaching of the church on that because we don't know the inner state of any individual human being. But on the outside, it makes sense, doesn't it? No greater love hath a man than to lie down his life for another. And when you see these men who laid down their life so that we have our freedoms today, they did just that. And the scripture tells us that love will wipe out a multitude of sins. That's amazing. Let us not forget to give thanks to those who went before us and laid down their life, starting first and foremost with Jesus, but continuing with those who laid their life down so that we could be here today to worship. You know, Jesus is the one who stood in our place as a substitute, and that's why he died on the cross. You just have to accept it. You know, I wanted to <clears throat> finish with one quick thing. I went yesterday to do an anointing up at BMC, and there's a special man there. Uh, I hope Chris is watching today. And um, he's a special man that's been here before, and he, he has um, some physical um, struggles. And he asked, why would the Lord allow me to have to go through this? Chris, you are a special chosen soul of Jesus Christ. There is no way our Lord has given you a share in his cross like you have been given if it wasn't the ultimate form of love. Yeah, it may seem difficult. It may seem hard to understand, but Jesus makes it very clear that through the cross, we find salvation. It certainly is easy, Chris, for me to say that to you as I'm walking and you struggle, but I admire you because you're a better man than me because God has given you so much of his cross to carry. And don't lose hope because your reward will be great in heaven. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.
please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.